When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Spotcast. This is episode 58. My name is Tim Mitchell and I'm in Toronto, Ontario. And I'm joined once again by Jaime Lippis Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? We have Jonathan Kuhlein on the line. Jonathan Kuhlein on the line in Mississauga. I was wondering how long it would take you to get to that joke. Really? <laughs> <laughs> how many times have I said on the line? Well, I usually say Jaime on the line, right? That's right. All right. Didn't take long. There you go. Just a few synapses and there you are. And 58 episodes later, here we are. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, I, when I first met Jonathan, he tried to convince me that Kuhlein meant cool one. No, no, it does. <laughs> is this like the Adobe Cooler app that has the the cooler colors, but it's also cooler? The last no, name? it's not cool line. It's cool line, right? Cool line. Cool line, yes. Yeah. Cool line, which uh, cool line would mean cool one in German, which is an excellent name. Mm-hmm. Cool line, which is what my family name is, means small cow. So apparently my ancestors were cattle farmers. Not quite as cool. It's Not quite as cool. Oh, well, that's a shame. Yeah. All right. Maybe you can get that changed. Who knows? Petite yeah. cows, too, like like ponies is what I imagine yeah. their size to be. Well, apparently the, the deal is is that they have, they breed a certain kind of cow in Germany that are meant for grazing on mountainsides, and their legs are actually shorter so they don't fall over as easily. Oh, less likely to fall over, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Because yeah. there's nothing worse than seeing your cattle roll down hills. Do you guys remember that, that cartoon? I think it was um, the Warner Brothers cartoon where they had the little tiny hippo that used to wander around the house. Yeah. Yeah. They're little cows like that. That's the ones. <laughs> little Playmobil cows. Lower center of gravity, right? Mm. All righty. Um, so did these, these cows had shorter legs or they were like lower to the ground kind of thing? Uh, it's not had, it's have. They still exist. Yeah. Mm. But yes, they have uh, They have a lower, uh, smaller set of legs. So that way that their center of gravity is lower and they don't aren't as tippable. Tippy? So here in Canada, there's a, uh, in the backwoods, there's a little, uh, I assume they have it in lots of countries, but cow tipping, cow tipping. Harder mm-hmm. yep. to keep, uh, harder to tip the cows in uh, in Germany, apparently. Yeah, now that they still have the bulk, but they're built like, you know, corgis or dachshunds, but still, yeah. you know, 800 That's right, they're pounds. the dachshunds of cows. They're missing the, like, 20 pounds of leg that a cow would normally have. Yep. But they still have the rest of the 800 pounds. So last last week I was watching, flipping through channels, and I came across Cars, you know, the Disney, uh, Pixar movie Cars mm-hmm. in French, on the French channel, so I, w- I watched it for a bit to see if I could sort of carry, carry keep up with it, and they got to the cow tipping, or the, cow, the tractor, tractor tipping. Tipping, yeah. yeah, and, and they weren't saying moo when they fell over. They were saying something else, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, Alrighty, the, the various uh, language onomatopoeias might have to be a, a, an after show. Yeah. <laughs> All righty, so uh, let's do some fact check. So I got one here that we, we I, I don't know why we didn't think. Maybe you guys noticed. I didn't notice, but Narek and Narissa are brother and sisters. It's almost like Romulus and Ramus, right? Mm. Uh, how they, they rhyme and they're practically the same name. You know, sort so of this was guess. back to our discussion last week as to whether Rizzo had been given a Romulan name. Yes. Well, her name, if you look in IMDb, her name is Narissa, and of course, 
Narek and Narissa. So it's, like, it's like uh, Donnie and Marie, right? I know her name was <laughs> mentioned quite. in this week's episode. I completely missed if it was mentioned before that. Her first name? Uh, Narissa. I completely missed that in prior episodes, yeah, I, although I definitely heard it in Don't think I've ever heard it. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay, good to know. Yeah, yeah. Alrighty. Um, so, Jaime, you got some follow-up, right? Yeah, yeah. I was pondering and curious about, is it La Sirena or La Sirena? And I wasn't really going by how the show pronounces it, right? I went to, to look it up. And as far as I can tell, I believe it is La Sirena without the Enye part, uh, at okay. least as I try to translate through different translators and, and try to get it going back and forth. Um, I don't know if there is a Sirena that, that matches up. I do believe, even if there is, um, the mermaid, given the uh, mermaid tattoo, the, the siren mermaid tattoo that's on Rios's shoulder, makes me believe it's La Sirena properly and not just like, oh, well, that's what you know Jean-Luc Picard would use to say, right? Given his particular accent. Mm. Right. So I, I assume it's also pretty similar to like uh, like the family last name Trevino that's pretty common, but people may know the golfer Lee Trevino, who I believe anglicized it, but I don't know for certain, mm. just given the era that he played and he probably did. Do we have an official ruling on how we're going to say it here so we don't sound like complete dorky uh, white folks? Uh, I, <laughs> I, I think whatever they say on the show, which I don't actually, I, they probably say La, La Serena, I think is probably how they anglicized it. And I, I think that's acceptable. If you want to say it closer to like how Rio says it, I mean, that's, that's homework. You can, you can practice if you want, but <laughs> it feels like if you get, you know, if you get a reasonably good try, I think it's fine. Uh, yeah. I appreciate the it's, support. It's interesting today. There was a character on the show who actually said Jean-Luc Picard, the way the French would say it. Mm. I don't know if you caught that on the show today. She was female. I'll, tell, I'll say that much. Mm. Mm. No, we'll get, we'll, back, we'll get back to that. But yes. without the, uh, this is a war crime kind of stereotype. So that's, <laughs> that the different, that's a different part of France you were talking about. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jimmy patch to the rescue. Yeah. Um, yeah it's like uh, Ian Holm as, as Napoleon in, in uh, Time Bennett's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, which I think is supposed to be Parisian French. Anyway, um, so this, is this carrying on? Are we carrying on with Jaime? With, uh, with no, these, no these I put three, my name on my, my one. Oh, yeah. Okay. These three are mine. Uh, right. So we had talked about uh, Mortal Kombat, the movie, and we're talking about uh, all-time video game uh, related films in the box office, and uh, we weren't sure exactly when it came out, so I, I looked it up. It's 1995. Uh, Jaime said mid-90s, so bang on. Yeah, um, so, so was that the first gaming movie that came out? Oh, I see, don't believe so. No. See, yeah. now, now wrecked everything. Like, and, and when you say gaming, I'm guessing you mean specifically based on a game and not like The well, Last Starfighter, which was based yeah. on going into, or Tron, which is yeah. uh, which were not real games before. As I think back to my early university days, so it would have been 1979, 78, around there was when I first started playing things like uh, Space Invaders, Pac-Man, Pong, Defender. Defender would have been probably 81 or 82, right? So yeah, I, wonder, I just went wondering when the first sort of, you know, gaming, like video gaming um, thing came out. Because Mortal Kombat was a video game, right? Yes, that's yes. right. Uh, and yeah. still continues to be. Um, I watched a, a, a special on that the other day about Atari. I should uh, go back and check that out. I think it's on Netflix or something. Um, anyway, carry on with the uh, carry on with the. Uh, that's more food for for future fact checks. This this list that I'm looking at claims, and I don't know how comprehensive it is, claims that the first one, from a Hollywood perspective at least, is Super Mario Brothers, May twenty eighth, nineteen ninety three. That's what I'm seeing too. Hmm. Okay, there you go. Well, that makes sense too because that was sort of the one that that started the whole Nintendo revolution, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, and that wasn't that based because of, because um, Sony or something didn't come out with a system, so Nintendo had to go and do their own thing. Because Donkey, Donkey Kong was before um, Mario, right? Right. Yep. But that came out through uh, for home consoles on ColecoVision before it came out for Nintendo. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna dive yeah. down the rabbit hole of video games. Yep. Uh, uh, so. so next up, uh, fact check. So the cast of Transformers: The War Within. We talked about uh, how good the voices sounded. It seemed like it was sort of a real throwback to the uh, original 1980s cartoons series and uh so i took a look at the cast list it doesn't seem like these are the actors uh from back in the day I didn't, see, didn't see uh uh peter cullen or any of the sort of famous uh iconic voices from that but uh, i think they're doing darn good impressions so, so mark Wahlberg wasn't available no marky mark was not uh he was out getting funky and he couldn't couldn't be in the show um and devs we talked about devs and i looked up where that is apparently it's an fx show but it's airing on hulu in the states but i think here it's coming out on showcase or yeah amc or something no, it wouldn't be ABC. No, it would be Showcase or Bravo would probably be one of those. Right, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yep. There you go. Let's dig in some headlines. Headlines. Do, 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 do. There's a lot of Disney ones. And the, the first one we have here is that Disney, as it would kind of make sense now that they own all these disparate properties, is starting to combine them together in this, you know, corporate synergy sort of way. So, um, you know, a lot of Pixar movies end up having some sort of animated short prior to the main feature film. Uh, I didn't know this, but apparently um, Olaf's Frozen Adventure, which is a non-Pixar film um, or property, a Disney property, like Disney animation proper property, was played prior to Coco, the Pixar film. So there's already been sort of the, the blurring of the boundaries. But now that boundary is being full-on shattered and that there's going to be a Simpsons, which is owned by the uh, the piece of Fox that Disney acquired, be a Simpsons short prior to, um, what movie did it say? Onward, the new, the new movie with Pixar with uh, mm-hmm. Chris Pratt and right. Tom Holland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I have to imagine they'll do more of this kind of thing because it just it just makes too much sense right you have this uh multimedia omni-channel sort of way to to get people engaged oh wait there's some real-time follow-up coming in oh there you go oh real-time follow-up apparently uh devs is showing on fx canada there you go oh, okay there you go. i can stop typing now mm-hmm. <laughs> all right run on Jaime. it's you're right that's that's pretty funny that we're gonna get that blur it makes you wonder when we're gonna see the uh what we're gonna see next from the crossover world yeah as they start creating these these whole uh it's not even cinematic universe anymore it's like a multimedia universe they yeah. might be able to have bartman and robin well no that's Mar- that's warner brothers but it makes me wonder if we really will get um there was a, a hilarious bit that pat oswalt did on an episode of parks and rec a few years ago where he was basically merging he was trying to do a filibuster on the show and he was merging the uh star wars universe with the marvel universe and it was the darth vader versus thanos and it was just this great little like four minute you know uh crazy man speech that he gives and uh you gotta wonder if like somewhere down the road they are just gonna start doing these like in an alternate world Bart Simpson meets Darth Vader who gets along with Captain America because they can yeah I mean you could do an animated Avengers let's say right that ends up having radioactive man from the Simpsons yeah as a, as a just a normal character who shows up well they did cross over Star Wars was it, no it was Avengers they crossed over Avengers with Phineas and Ferb at one point didn't they <laughs> I did sure not see that one but I, I'm sure my kids, I, I'm sure I watched that with, with uh, my youngest son at one point, that there was a Phineas and Ferb episode that had like Hulk and Iron Man and, and Thor in it. So yeah, again, it seems like this is the, the way things are going to go if they're going to monopolize all these properties. I mean, you know, we're going to get, you know, Darth Vader versus Alien. 
Dickens, and uh, it's going to be all kinds of great possibilities. Hmm. The next thing we have, it, it, it's going to take a little bit of unpacking here, but if you think about this era we live in where people are thinking of doing uh, reboots or continuations, sometimes gritty continuations of characters, like Star Trek TNG had, you know, John luc Picard, but now we also have Star Trek Picard. Imagine that, but with Hilary Duff's Lizzie McGuire. So mm-hmm. apparently the idea initially was for Lizzie McGuire to continue on as, you know, her 30s year old self on Disney Plus. But as you might imagine, the 30 year old lifestyle doesn't limit itself nicely and neatly to a PG rating, which means it wouldn't fit on Disney Plus. So Disney's like, yeah, we're, we don't want to do this anymore. And, and therefore, Hilary Duff has publicly asked Disney to move the uh, Star Trek Picard equivalent of Lizzie McGuire to Hulu as an alternative, as the, uh, you know, grittier, more adult facing sort of property. So they're talking about killing it all together and this, this is her plea to keep it going? Yeah, it's a little unclear to me why they don't just move it over. I mean, I'm sure they thought, oh, Lizzie McGuire. I'm like, yeah, but now she's like, you know, Sex in the City, Sarah Jessica Parker age, right? It's closer to right, an HBO yeah. show if you're going to do it proper. Can't be for, for tweens anymore. That doesn't make sense. Right, right. I wonder if she'll get her way. Vote with your with your dollars and, and your tweets. Let Disney know. What else is Hillary Duff doing these days? Having the foggiest. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was really going to wonder if I make an answer that off the top of his head. That would have been very, very impressive. Well, as a matter of fact, yeah. As president of the Hillary Duff fan club. I mean, I, I don't know anything about it, but I really hope they do the theme song. You know, the updated theme song should be like the cards where they take, I don't know if Lizzie McGuire's character ever like I was going to say, do you know man. her theme song? Can you hum it for us? <laughs> it's very hard to, to, to sing that little like flute sort of sound that's sort of the haunting melody, but I hope they do something like that. Pick mm-hmm. some melody out of the, the Lizzie McGuire canon, such as it is, and turn that into the, the grittier orchestrated symphony style um, symphony style intro music theme song. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like one of those like joke parody sketch, sketches, right? Where you bring her back as an adult and it gets takes the dark turn. I don't know. It seems strange, the idea of doing like a mature version of that. Well, they've actually filmed uh, 13 episodes already, apparently, according to IMDb. Hmm. She was in uh, Younger before that, and uh, let's see. She was in The Haunting of Sharon Tate recently, or I guess just last year. And Dora the Explorer, she played the Ice Witch. There you go. Raising Hope, Wings. She has lots of voiceover work. Community. Gee, John, you should have known that. I don't remember her, but then it's been a while since I rewatched that show. And, and to yeah, be fair, Law, I didn't Law watch Order. Lizzie McGuire, so I don't think I can pick Hillary Duff out of a lineup. Yeah, Law and, or- Law and Order, isn't that where old actresses go to Penn? their career in a single episode yeah all right moving on oh moving it's on me <laughs> look at that i put this up here for for jaime's education um this is the 13 chapters in the history of gallifrey in fact i guess they're gonna have to make it 14 now because we just had another one uh, which we'll get to later so this covers off uh it's sort of videos of each sort of section of times when they've talked about gallifrey uh in in doctor who uh, lore you know going back as far they've got some david Tennant here they've got some peter capaldi i don't want to enter my date of birth thank you very much. Oh, yes, The Impossible Girl, Clara Oswald, which is something that Jaime should, another character Jaime should go down the rabbit hole on. Um, didn't mean to say that that way. But um, uh, to, to Tom Baker back in the early, early days of Gallifrey. Um, yeah, so, and the the uh, All Creatures Great and Small Doctor Who, uh, Peter Davidson, The Five Doctors, which I've talked about uh, before, which is a special where they all come together. Um, and then, the, yeah, the other goofy doctors that they've had over the years. Mm. Yeah, so just And just 
just little snippets of each each time that they've talked about uh, Gallifrey in the in the episodes. Um, so they got Spyfall Part Two, which was this year's episode as well, right? Yeah, and the big, of course, you know, the big climax this season, mm-hmm. which we'll get to later. That's some homework for you there, homie. Speaking of, of of gritty continuations, I mean, look at the uh, I don't know anything in the seventies and eighties Doctor Who, and then yeah. look at like Cabalti Cabaldi's um, intense Peter. face in his like Breaking Bad style cinematography. Yeah, the Doctor certainly had a different tone in in the first series of Doctors. He was he was didn't quite get as mad and angry as as uh, I think Cabaldi took it the furthest in terms of you know sort of rage. <laughs> yeah, Although I shouldn't say that. Peter Eccleston, Christopher Eccleston, seemed to have some rage as well, right? Yeah, it really did. It has sort of waxed and waned a little bit. Sometimes it can be a little grim and gritty, but I think that and even Tennant had its moments. I mean, he's got a lot of of uh, range. He's a very talented actor, so I think he had a lot of range in that part too. But uh, yeah, it really has sort of waxed and waned between sort of edgy and gritty and goofy. I mean, I was actually pleasantly surprised by how how some of the depth we saw from Jodie Whittaker this year. She yeah, sort of had some goofy sure. moments, but she had some gravitas too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, on to you, homie. Yeah, this this feels like it fits in very nicely with the gritty Lizzie McGuire continuation here. Like, this, I don't see why Disney just doesn't do this, considering that they have done the FX on Hulu that's launched. So FX shows like uh, Devs that we mentioned before and American Horror Story, Nip Tuck, Anarchy, uh, Sons of Anarchy, all those, the ones that don't really fit that nicely and neatly in Disney Plus, um, they have a life there on Hulu because it's you know, more adult friendly. Right. Okay, cool. Hmm. Seems like a good fit. Means nothing to us being here in Canada, of course. <laughs> <laughs> So is FX a pay channel for uh, in the United States, Jaime? You don't specifically pay for it, but you would have to have the right cable package. So not basic cable, um, probably the next level up, I would guess. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it's similar here. I think it ha- you have to be sort of into the slate edge of premium to get that. The value plus or whatever, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. what they call it. Next and thing we've continue. got here for, for the British folks, so something that neither of us here on this show will, will have to deal with, but I think it's, it's, it's good to be inclusive of what's going on here. So Disney Plus is going to to launch on Sky Q in the UK. I don't know what the Q stands for, but I do recognize Sky as a television or possibly streaming provider over there in the UK. Met some folks who work there. Um, so I'm I'm guessing this is part of that idea of creating all of these, you know, multinational, international relationships or sort of thing. Just like how, you know, Picard is on Amazon everywhere except for the US where it's on CBS All Access and it's on Sci-Fi or Crave or something, I think you guys said, in Canada. Mm-hmm. Both. All right. And this next one here is... Uh, I was talking a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about uh, um, Joaquin Phoenix winning uh, Best Actor accolades for um, his Joker portrayal, and I was sort of saying, well, he kind of built that on sort of channeling off of what uh, Heath Ledger had done. And um, so this is a, a, a video of his acceptance speech from the Screen Actors Guild Award, the SAG Award, where he uh, also won for Best Actor in a movie or whatever. Um and he starts off talking about how, you know, when he was going through auditions and stuff that, he would always run into, there would always be this kid that would show up. And it turned out the kid was Leonardo. And so uh, he sort of complimented Leonardo of always being sort of, you know, fierce competition for roles. Um, and, he, and he celebrated Christian Bale as, uh, as you know, embracing his roles and compliments um, the other actors. Um, Adam Driver, yeah, he complimented him on his work. And I'm sure I'm missing one more. But he did sort of say that, you know, and he's he's building on the, the legacy that Heath Ledger le- left for them. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see that, that he does actually give pay tribute to um, the the other actors that he's nominated with. And, of course, he does pay tribute to Heath Ledger for setting the tone of, of the current 
iteration of the Joker in the Batman lore. He didn't mention Jared Leto by name? No, not, no, he didn't. <laughs> not him. No, I was the one I forgot. Harsh. <laughs> Haters gonna hate. Haters gonna hate, yeah. All right, so over to you, Hummer. Over to you, Hummy. Yeah, there's... Um I don't know how to put this. So I'm just going to roll right into it. There is, you know, this James Bond movie. There's no good was... time to die. Come on, you can just say that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> There's a James res- Bond movie called No Time to Die that was scheduled to premiere in April. But uh, it was said, hey, that might be a bad idea with this coronavirus going around the world. And MGM said, yes, you're right. This is No Time to Die. And so it is therefore <laughs> moved to November. So are they moving it because of the fact that it's a sensitive subject or because they don't want to put like that many people in a small confined area i don't even think it's that i mean that that would just assume that it it, like i feel like star wars would would probably be a oh it's probably dangerous to put it out there Uh, james bond is Mm -hmm. a is a well-loved franchise but i think they're probably more worried about like what if nobody shows up because everybody's buying all the toilet paper and the bottled water and and hold up in their house yeah that's true yeah they they did i think in uh in making the decision they did say something about the um the climate in you know countries where they expected to get a good box office performance performance they were talking about uh james bond in china i guess is popular and they were saying that given where that Mm. market is right now that it would be pretty devastating to what their expectations are if they put it out now and they hope that by then it'll it'll have cleared up right that's a shame i mean it's it's interesting i think they're gonna have to we were talking about this on our show yesterday um, more than just code about you're gonna have to come up with ways for people to i mean it's a good time because we haven't the netflix and the hulus and all that kind of stuff and you can sit at home with your your home theater and your popcorn and whatever mm-hmm. um you're missing this whole you're missing the whole large screen experience you know that you get in a, in a proper theater and you also get missing the sort of tribal aspect of, of experiencing the horror of you know, a horror movie all at once in a large group of people right and getting mm-hmm. you know all people screaming at the same time but that said i mean i think it's it's unfortunate that it's going to be until this sort of settles down it's going to be large groups of people spending a large amount of time together is going to be difficult i'm thinking like concerts are going to be tricky too coming going forward and you know i've heard that um john john mulaney he's the comic the comic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah he canceled his his appearance uh he was coming to toronto for something and it got canceled a friend of mine was, has tickets he was telling me about it It was canceled um last year and then it was canceled again because he was appearing on saturday night live and now it's being moved back because of the whole coronavirus thing so i think a lot of these um activities require a lot of people getting together is gonna or, or it's gonna be challenging for a lot of these kind of venues going forward, right? Yeah, it will be really tricky. I was thinking that, so I, I bought tickets to see a few things uh, coming up in the in the distant and not distant future, and I I really do wonder if there will be more and more cancellations. There obviously have been. I know there there was uh, you know certain acts that have pulled out of countries where um, coronavirus or COVID nineteen is is present. Um, I wonder if we're gonna see a little bit more of that in, in as it starts creeping into you know some of the markets uh, closer to home for us the yeah the question is sort of what's you know what's too big what's too risky what's too dangerous i mean again, they, they're still planning on hosting an olympics in tokyo um that doesn't seem like a good idea right right we, but, we were just we were at one of our picks yesterday was a, a website called is it canceled yet.com yeah and uh, it, it listed the tokyo olympics among other things too but uh, like handshakes are canceled right um as well as conferences it was more about the conferences and stuff but why don't you roll into your next story here anyway john 
and uh, yeah, and, and actually, just to quickly follow up on that, I, I did notice um, there was a news piece this week about the NBA, and they were telling their players not to accept uh, accept items from from fans. So don't pick up a jersey and sign it. Uh, don't high five, but fist bump. They were offer, offering advice to try and keep their players healthy too, because obviously they interact mm, yeah. a great deal. So again, I, it speaks to sort of the the larger. Um, you know, sociological impact as well. Um, yeah, and, and to follow that up, I, I tagged this one on the on the, the end of Jaime's story. So there is a um, pretty major uh, pop culture and comic show that happens every year up in Seattle uh, called the Emerald City Comic Con. And a uh, story came out this week that a bunch of the publishers and creators are pulling out because obviously there has been um, an outbreak, a small one in the Pacific Northwest, and uh, that's driven some paranoia. And so there's been this sort of exodus of publishers who were supposed to be there, like DC Comics, Marvel Comics, are pulling out. Um, and then as well as some of the creators are posting on Twitter, um, some citing, you know, personal situations saying, you know, one person posted and said, you know, my son is in a high risk group. I can't afford to get sick and take the risk that I bring it home to him. Um, and then just other people saying, you know what, it's, we'll, we'll try again next year. You know, it's not it's not worth the uh, the risk of, of putting myself in, in harm's way. Uh, so we are seeing that sort of effect now, as far as I know right now, the, the event is still scheduled to go forward, but uh, I mean, Tim, and you know this from going to uh, the the Fan Expo here in Toronto every year. I mean, these are these are massive events with you know. I mean, it's not uncommon to come out of those events even in the summertime with a you know a case of the sniffles, let alone uh, something that is potentially as um, damaging as, as COVID nineteen. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm really shocked that they haven't canceled Emerald City Comic Con. Like we're here, like ground zero for one of the worst outbreaks in the U.S. Um, today on the news, Emerald City Comic Con was saying that they'll refund anybody who doesn't feel comfortable coming. And I'm like, all right, I guess I give you half credit for that. But really, you should be refunding everybody because you canceled it. That's the right thing to do at this point in time. Well, they haven't canceled though yet, right? They haven't. And they really should. Right. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. It, it feels wildly irresponsible. Like, I, I'm already, you know, not happy that South by Southwest in Austin, Texas seems to be uh, ongoing, despite mm-hmm. it being a massively bad idea to bring a bunch of people from around the country and around the world together in tightly enclosed spaces, you know, for what's essentially a festival, you know, I'm, I'm not uh, trying to diminish it, but it definitely falls under the not a necessity kind of thing, right? Um, this isn't, you know, travel to go get like an operation or something, um, or even to see like, you know, your your ailing grandparents. This is like, hey, we want to go have fun with music and entertainment. It's like, well, maybe that should be canceled <laughs> just, out yeah. of, just out of things going bad, you know, it, it doesn't seem like a good idea. Well, speaking of bad ideas, the um, I just heard on the news today that uh, uh, flight insurance. Uh, if you buy mm-hmm. flight insurance now, they won't they won't give it they won't refund you if the reason why you don't want to fly is because you're afraid of COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. Because they're saying now it's it's no longer an unusual unusual circumstance. It's now a known circumstance. Like that's the risk you're taking, right? So yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how this falls out in terms of different businesses and festivals and things, right? And it, just a quick. Um, note on on the Emerald City Comic Con. I just uh, taking a quick look to see if there have been any developments. And um, yeah, apparently it was Dark Horse, is DC and Dark Horse comics that have pulled out already, uh, including Jim Lee, uh, who is the publisher of DC Comics and a very famous uh, creator, has also pulled out. So yeah, it's it's a it's a strange one now because you're also talking about you know if you had made plans to go to this, you know these are the people you were coming to see too. So right, it is yeah. a strange circumstance, right? Right, me too. All right, on a lighter note, Batman. 
Yeah, this is the kittens part <laughs> after the, the difficult news. Uh, we have the first look at the Batmobile that's going to be coming out for the new uh, The Batman movie starring Robert Pattinson. And it looks, it's pretty slick. You got actually, uh, we've linked the article, but I would suggest clicking through to the Twitter link. It shows more angles of it. It's kind of a, a more realistic, but kind of also a throwback in some respects to the, the styling of the 1960s Batman. Kind of more mm. take a cool sports car and, and Batman it up it's not the uh rocket engine strapped to a corvette from the michael keaton and it's not the uh military um you know tank on wheels that christian bale had so it's it's, it's kind of a throwback here to, to another time was keaton supposed to be a corvette or just, you it reminds of it, the, the look and styling looks like a corvette i don't actually know off the top of my head if it was a corvette that they used yeah i don't i think it was just sort of that same sort of body shape it sort of rounded in the front and curved up the back with the wing and stuff. It kind of, yeah, it looked like a 1980s Corvette a little bit. Yeah, it looked a little bit more like a McLaren car to me, but anyway. Yeah. Yep. Um, I've got a couple uh, things. So um, we got news this week that we're going to finally get a new actor in the role of Why the Last Man. Uh, we talked about this previously that there was the uh, series in development for FX and um, Barry Keegan had originally been cast uh, as Why but had dropped out and now, and I guess that was last month, and now, um, and he did, so Barry Keegan was from uh, Dunkirk. And now um, Ben Schnetzer, Ben Schnetzer is going to be playing the lead role. Uh, apparently he was in the Warcraft uh, film, I'm guessing. I could not tell you who he was, considering that was an animated sort of green screeny kind of thing. So I don't know who he was. Um, but I'm still excited for this show. It was a really, really terrific comic book and um, illustrated by Yagera. So looking forward to that one and looking forward to, uh, hopefully this means they can get this thing up off the ground because it's kind of foundering for a while. The uh, other one I've got here, which I think uh, is some, some good grist for the mill here, um, William Shatner took to Twitter uh, this week, which is always a lot of fun. And uh, he was asked if he would consider making one more appearance as Captain Kirk on Star Trek, whether that's on Picard or uh, in some sort of other capacity. And he said, you know, uh, the quote was, I think Kirk's story is pretty play pretty well played out at this point. And the of course, everyone freaked out and was just sort of saying, you know, well, you know, that's just your opinion. And, and you know, again, uh, Bill is 89 years old now. Uh, he said that, you know, he's still curious to see sort of what happens with the, um, you know, the Quentin Tarantino rumored Star Trek. And, uh, you know, people sort of goaded him and, you know, said, well, you know, maybe even just a cameo or something. And he said, no, I don't do cameos. And he was sort of being a little little cantankerous about it. But, uh, but I guess justifiably so. I mean, again, they, they did kill his character 20 plus years ago. So uh, I, I'm not sure what else people expect from him now. What do you guys think? Well, get off his lawn, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good thing that he's like, you know, I, I think this character is done, uh, or at least, you know, his portrayal of the character. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, that's fair. I wasn't super happy with how things went down in Star Trek Generations, but I, I don't, I don't have a particular need to see, you know, one last go around with um with kirk i mean if you if you wanted to mentally erase you know that part of generations out of your mind the undiscovered country is a perfect send-off for the character mm -hmm. right yeah well and, and shatner did write those uh the, i can't remember how many were that there were tim but the we, we we shared those books back and forth for a while there he wrote uh a series of books after set after the events
successive generations wherein uh, the body was found and he was revived, right? And reunited with Spock and Scotty and had sort of adventures in the, the TNG era. Um, you know, I always thought that, that those would be, make really good sort of animated pictures or something, some some way of sort of continuing that for the people who were real diehard original series fans. I mean, it's interesting, like the, the I mean, J.J. Abrams tried to do that with, with his, his Star Trek, right? Um, mirroring the, the characters in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. But then changing so much of the stories too, right? Yeah. And, and sort of having, well, we have this new whole new timeline now because of because of what they did in that show, right? But uh, Or that movie, the series. Um, I, I, I don't know. I kind of I, I, I was hoping they would continue that in the same way that that um, they had done the other Star Treks. You know, like they could have just kept rebooting the the stories. You know, in a different way what they've been doing, right? But uh, yeah, bad. And I, I I agree with Shatner. I think it's you know he's he's just not the same guy anymore, right? Well, and at a certain point, you know, like what kind of performance are we going to get? He's eighty nine years old. It's he's not an action star anymore. It's you know, like I think he he's okay with the torch being past and you know life goes on right so you know i know it's gonna be a shocker today but i was talking to one of my colleagues at work today who's you know closer to my age than he is to yours um he was saying that he and his wife had started watching picard and thinking oh this is going to be great and it's going to be an examination of of this aging war hero kind of story which it kind of sort of is but it very quickly became star trekky you know with the pew pew and and the running around and you know all the sort of conspiracy stuff and and uh he found it less than satisfying um, watching the shows that they did watch, uh, you know, help, hope, he was hoping for more out of the where where is Picard's head at, and you know, how is he dealing with you know the, the things that, that an aging person deals with. You know, uh, I don't know if you fo- if you follow what I'm saying, but he's he's actually not watching Picard anymore. He watched it like the first four four shows and kind of like, well, you know, it's kind of meh. He's a bigger bigger TNG star than than this, and yeah, so he's he's ready to walk away from from Picard until maybe they have some major arc that we we don't see coming coming, you know? So I still think it's all in Picard's head. Anyway. <laughs> it's the aerobotic syndrome that is, is playing this well, out. exactly. Well, I mean, like, like he, he actually got caught by the same uh, scene that I did in the first episode where, you know, he has the big uh, uh, tussle with the Romulans and Dodge and she gets killed, and the next scene, they cut to a hard cut of him lying on the couch. And the first thing I thought was, did that really happen, right? And I'm surprised Picard didn't go, did that really happen, you know? Yeah. You know? I think so, you're overthinking it. Yeah. I know. I think. I know. I think. Uh, yes, I, I agree. I think I'm overthinking it. But uh, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see where they go with this, right? Yeah, we have yet to see. Next, we have a couple more here, and then we jump into the the meat and potatoes. Oh, three more. Yeah. So we've got the announcement of a new HBO show working together with uh, Sony to bring the PlayStation game The Last of Us. I guess it's Last of Us. I forget the actual title. I've always called it The Last of Us, but it might be just Last of Us. Um, that's going to be a TV show. So if you're not familiar with the game. The best way I can describe it is imagine if you took some of the premise of Logan, where you have an older father figure type character and a, uh, a young female character that he has to protect and take somewhere special and put that in the Walking Dead universe. And that's roughly what Last of Us is about, <laughs> right? So there's a, there's been a weird... It's like Picard with zombies. Yes, yes. In, in many in many respects, it's it, it's like that. Um, the, the zombies are based on this like uh, you know virus type thing, so it's kind of you know well timed for for this sort of thing. Um, apparently, it's got folks who uh, put together Chernobyl for HBO, so kind of feels like it will get a, a proper send up. Um, and this game 
was already pretty cinematic as it is so i, I kind of feel like this should be hopefully a, a pretty good property to to translate over it'll be interesting to see how they do it i mean that the only problem i see with this and again it's a phenomenal looking game and got all the awards and it was a huge hit i guess the issue is is this genre kind of played out at this point like it feels like there's a huge burnout on it yeah that, that is the danger with the the many seasons of the walking dead and fear the walking dead and walking dead weekend at bernie's or whatever it is the the newer series is that's coming out <laughs> right yeah <laughs> right electric boogaloo like they've got uh quite a bit in there and, and uh, is their appetite for that sort of stuff it kind of mm-hmm. depends mm-hmm. yeah all right mine's a quick hit i was just as i picked it up on one of the side side um blog thingies on one of the sites we we're looking at earlier um we've talked about this before lower decks right um now this is uh this is coming soon it says in 2019 now have we talked about that or 2020 have we talked about that in the past that it's coming yeah i think it was listed as an indefinite when it's coming but uh yeah this i think was the first time i saw 2020 attached to it yeah yeah for sure and that's the new animated lighter side of star trek based on the uh the lower deck episode that they had um was it janice was that the the nurse's name that was on um the next generation do you remember anyway carry on uh just another very quick hit uh news today good news today that uh melissa benoist the actress who plays supergirl has announced she's pregnant along uh husband chris wood who was also one of the stars of the show for uh for a little while so congratulations to them interesting that's going to make uh, for some interesting episodes well it makes you wonder how they're going to film uh how do you film supergirl with uh basically probably a lot of stunt doubling you'll <laughs> do her from the you know chest down or something i don't know yeah yeah, yeah. looking for a big lab coat or something <laughs> to cover up the pregnancy <laughs> yeah. like they did and with flowers the, the yeah, and and um dr crusher yeah yeah i mean there's always good tricks and and to be frank nowadays they can do do with cgi those take our belly bump out but yeah it's um you know it'll be interesting to see how they write that into the show because obviously uh Tara's not having a baby that we know of. You don't so. think Supergirl's gonna get pregnant with like um Brainiac's kid or something? That would be weird. That would be very weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, here we are, the main part of the show. Star Trek Picard season one, episode seven. Seven already? Uh, Nepente. And this week Jaime is going to thrill us with his prose as he lays out his storyline and uh, we'll try to comment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we start out at the Daystrom Institute back in Okinawa and this is actually in the past but not 14 years ago. This is however many days ago this was when Dr. Girardi and Commodore had uh, their little uh, you know, little powwow about like, hey, what's going on? Uh, we noticed you transferred 300 gigabytes of, uh, of photos and other stuff for getting to Dr. Maddox. What's up with that? And at some point uh, it kind of gets to the point of like, hey, uh, let me show you why these synths are dangerous and we get a mind meld and we get a whole bunch of flash of scenes of all sorts of just crazy imagery of planetary destruction and Romulans in pain and they're like scratching at their base and shooting themselves and just awful stuff. So you, you get a, a good taste of what the the you know horrific truth was that, that Dr. Girardi had mentioned when she um when she killed Maddox that like now she she understands what's going on via the mind meld. So that was good to, to see. Uh, and Commodore was like, look, what we really need you to do is, you know, find out more information. And oh, by the way, we, we kind of need you to take this uh, Flintstones tablet and chew it up because that's a that's a tracking device that we can use to find you and therefore find, you know, the source of what's going on here. A missed opportunity to do her full Morpheus voice. Yeah. <laughs> Taking the blue pill was, was, Taking my, the blue pill. was what I was thinking of uh, with looking at that one. Uh, and then we sort of smash cut over to Rafi and Rios on the uh, La Sirena 
and they're getting uh, getting tractor beamed all up by the uh, by the Borg cube, the artifacts, right? So the Romulans are like, don't don't let those fools leave. Uh, and we see that uh, you know, uh, regardless of what ended up happening at the end of the episode, uh, what we've missed is that Nerissa has captured Q and has some of his uh, his ex bees, his ex Borg buddies lined up, and she's like, look, where were they going? Where 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 did you send these folks? You know, and don't tell me you don't know. Um, and ultimately she uh, she's like, look, uh, I can't kill you because you're a Federation citizen and we have that treaty, but these XBs over here, they're, they're nothing to me. They're not part of the treaty, so kill them all. And they go pew, pew, pew and kill, you know, they execute like four or five XBs. Um, and at this point, the... Uh, the, the La Sirena gets, you know, freed from the, uh, from the tractor device. And we have, uh, the realization here is like, Hey, w- w- we can't leave yet. Like Elnor is still on, on the artifact. Right. And we also see that Narek is going to go ahead and, and follow the, uh, the La Sirena, right? It's like, all right, you know, I'm doing a really terrible job of recapturing this because I, <laughs> I just should have taken better notes. Suffice to say, um, as part of this plot, right. Uh, Narek is going to use the tracking device in, Tarati to secretly follow the crew of Lesiana as they are going to make their way to meet up with Picard and Soji at Nepente. We see that happen as well, and then we, you know, we go over to Nepente and we get our our first look at this this beautiful sort of countryside that they have there, and they're what we find out are venomous bunny corns that would be <laughs> little bunnies, rabbits with unicorn horns, and apparently they have venom sacks of some sort. So watch out for those, but they're very tasty apparently. And Picard and Soji. Meet uh, Kestra, so they're they're accosted by this little kid who's dressed up in like Lord of the Rings Robin Hood type uh, fantasy outfit and has a full on you know working bow and arrow. And even though Kestra doesn't necessarily recognize you know Picard, I suppose uh, at the very least it, it seems like he's like, hey, uh, no, you haven't seen me in a while, but uh, this is my friend here. Yeah, we're cool. You know, wh- where's your father at? You know, your mom and dad, right? Uh, and as an aside, I, I looked this up, and Kestra is the name of uh, Deanna. Troy's older sister that she never knew she had the oh, really? one that, Lux, that had died at a young age and Luxana Troy had blocked out of her mind and that was the premise of the episode that she was you know hurting uh, so much on the inside and her mind couldn't handle what had happened that she had tried to remove the emotional trauma type thing yeah that was from the last season of TNG yeah yeah uh, we get a mention of uh, Commander Data which apparently um, Kestra is very familiar with from having presumably talked with Picard or at the very least her mom and dad about uh, we get to see uh, Deanna Troy coming out, you know. Well, before the- that, though, Kestra mm-hmm. spills the beans to um, Soji, yeah. Soji, that that you know, because Picard mentions that you know who's your who's your father, and uh, she Picard says, "Well, do you remember Commander Data?" And she goes, "You're an android to Soji." I don't think anybody's actually said to her, "You're an android yet." Oh, yeah. that's that's true. That's true. That's sort of the the extra realization there, right? The mm. the self identity issues that that surround Soji. So we get our, our first chances to see, you know, Counselor Troy, who's like, what's going on? Are you in trouble? <laughs> you don't normally show up. Uh, and and Riker is, you know, grating cheese for a pizza. And uh, he's very shocked in a, in a happy way to see Picard. But he's like, also, wait, are bad things happening? Great. Uh, computer, <laughs> red alert, red shields up and, you know, turn on <laughs> everything. And Alexa, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what's going on? Is it is it the is it the Kazinti? Uh, 
which I looked up is they are a animated series species. Who yeah, they were like the giant like cat people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's a like, oh, and uh, you're you're saying anti cloaking device, sorry, anti cloaking skins we should use. Like, probably means Romulans are coming, so yeah, we better deal with that problem. Uh, and we do get confirmation that uh, Soji must be a synth because Counselor Troy, you know, being half Betazoid, is uh, able to read emotions. And after having her own conversation with Soji, she relays to Picard is like, you know, I, I can't read anything from, from her. There's there's no no emotions coming out at a, a telepathic type level. Mm-hmm. And we get some nice scenes with uh, Soji talking to Kestra about, you know, just sort of, you know, it's kind of weird, like, why you have mucus, you have blood. Like, that's kind of weird for an android to have. And uh, and your father never had any of that, you know. And um, we do get some some hint here for, for Soji's character. They're like, oh, you know, Data, um, for all of the wonderful things that he could do, given the fact that he was an android, he really just wanted to be human. That was his goal in life, to just do normal, mundane things like humans do. Then we do the opposite of the smash cut to kitties and learn that uh, Riker and Troy had a child named uh, Thaddeus or Thad, who would have been 18 years old by the time this story takes place, but who apparently had uh, had died. Um, so it's so really sad. We do see a, a nice, cute little picture of a, of a bald baby and a bald Picard in uniform together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we smash cut over to Narek. Uh, sorry, not Narek. We to the the crew of La Sirena, where we learn that um, they can sort of tell, like, hey, there's there's a cloaked ship following us, and it's probably one of those snakeheads, as they describe those small little uh, Romulan ships that are, are tiny but have uh, a lot of firepower that pack a lot of punch for their size. What is this note here? Oh, uh, I don't. Somebody help me here. Who mentioned the giant Gormander? That was Agnes. Was it yeah. Agnes? Okay. Yeah, they're they're basically saying we got to we got to get to Picard. We got to get to repent. And she says, you know, I don't want to, you know, not be the fun one who, you know, suggests we hide behind a tail of a comment or uh, inside a giant Gormagander. But maybe we should just go home. And she's she's through the whole episode. She's just nervous and sweaty and anxious and clearly feeling extreme guilt over the fact that uh, that you know now that they've actually found Soji that she's going to lead the Romulans right to her. Right, right. And the, the Gormagander caught my, my attention as that was the big space whales from mm-hmm. uh, Discovery. Mm-hmm. So that was mm-hmm. an interesting callback mm-hmm. to, uh, to another series. Uh, it, in the aforementioned uh, sort of weird panicky mode that, that Gerardi was going through, uh, Aunt, Auntie Rafi is <laughs> tired of her nonsense. She's like, look, you just, let's get you like some cake or something. Let's get you calmed down. <laughs> and, and, yeah, she and said, we'll get you whatever of, you need. And she says, is it cake? That's what you're like. Then we go back to Nemente and Riker uh, is making homemade, handmade pizza, which is, is kind of interesting that like everybody's going down the uh, uh, real is better, which I, I think they talked about multiple times in, in previous Star Trek series. But in this one, it's like people are going full on hipster of like, I got to make, I got to grow my own tomatoes. I got to kill my own bunny corns. Doesn't taste the same when you have the replicator make it. Well, it, it spins off that episode uh, where we saw Agnes and and uh, um, what's his name, Doctor uh, Maddox, and he's making the homemade cookies from scratch too, right? The, there's a there's a whole metaphor here for making things from scratch, right? Right. Um, and as an aside, I was thinking here, I was like, all right, you know, we learned that Riker is from Alaska, so he's you know used to the the wilderness and you know uh, living off the land, whatever that means in the 24th century. But it must have been really difficult for Counselor Troy because 
far as I could tell, she came from a pretty well-to-do family. Like, Luxana had, like, a butler dude, and it looked like <laughs> she was always, you know, traveling extravagantly in style. So this is this is slumming it, I think, for Troy. Yeah, I think it would have been an excellent callback to have Mr. Holm there still working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess they would have had to, like, recast the dude probably, right? Yeah. yeah. He's um, out-of-work NBA players. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, just uh, just throw some, some latex <laughs> and some foam rubber on them, right? Yep. Uh, I think here is where we end up having... Oh, so, okay, no, no, no. I don't think this is a Kestra one. I think Troy is talking to Picard about, like, in Kestra's room or similar. Oh, there's the, the first part is where they're in the garden, right? Because Picard is talking with Will, and then uh, Soji and um, Kestra go over and talk to Troy in the garden. That's where she has the tomato, right? Mm, yeah, I guess probably. That happened before or after that scene? I'm not sure, because they went back and forth between the different set pieces a lot, so I'm getting a little confused to what because she talks about why, why they ended up on the planet because the next scene is yeah they, they're talking about why they ended up there and uh she's talking about how the the oh it's no it's because Riker's making the stuff and he's talking about the regenerative soil right so it's it's the two of them talking it's Picard and Riker Picard and Riker are talking about how everything grows really well on repent because of the regenerative soil that's why they came there because the kid needed uh... because Thad was sick so they, they came yeah. there but then he, that's when he gives him the 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 what were you carefully referred to as Riker CSI? That's where he basically says, you know, here's here's what I think's happening. Yeah, and you don't say anything. I've, I'm just deducing everything that, that I believe is going on based on the mm-hmm. way that you're acting and what I know about you. Mm-hmm. It gives them uh, sort of like a 20 questions, but like I know the answer to these questions. Let me let me do the Sherlock Holmes. I figured out the plot sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and there you go. My notes known here. Though. Yeah, this is where Soji does have what I call the dull tomatoes. They're they're just you know nice nice grown vine tomatoes. And we learn more about Kestra's sort of uh, hobby, obsession. I don't know what we call this, but she likes to, to make up languages. Mm-hmm. And we know that there's 11 or 12 of, of such of these these languages. No, no, it's the brother no, it's, who makes it's, up the yeah, languages. I was going to say it's Thad. I think she says that, that she learned them from Thad, but Thad had made up like a dozen languages. Right. Oh, he had? Okay, see, I, I got that wrong. I thought they were doing it like uh, together for a while uh, at the beginning. And then, you know, after he dies, then she uh, continued it on. Yeah, and Troy says later on, yeah, she says later on in the episode that this was his way of sort of grounding himself because he grew up on starships. He was making up all these places that he thought it would be fun to be from, and he makes up all the languages and he makes up yeah, all the stories about them. Born on spaceship, yeah, yeah, right. And so we we do end up learning about. And I didn't have a good note. I just caught the fact that they called it MN. It was some sort of neurological disease, uh, silicon-based disease that he had uh, he had acquired. Neuro- neurothrombosis is what she's yeah. yeah. And actually, and he needed um, they needed a positive. Well, she was talking about what real real is better than than artificial. But then this particular disease, the only way to cure it was to wrap it inside a positronic matrix. Mm-hmm. And so Deanna's point is that, you know, real isn't always better. Mm-hmm. Right. And with the ban based on the synths, there was no opportunity to have, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all this stuff was 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 made illegal to, to really do anything about. So right. they didn't have an opportunity to have an active positronic matrix around to, to you know, do as, as therapy and, and save their son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit of, of comedy here is there's a, what turns out to be a burnt tomato but looks like a fire starting in the mm-hmm. in the pizza oven and Riker saying cancel red alert which I'm like oh I guess this works better than voice assistance today because that <laughs> seemed like it should have turned off all the shields and everything that he'd sent up earlier right because what modern tech does mm-hmm. and the scene right before that before before we cut back to the artifact there's the scene where uh, Soji has been talking in the garden with Troy and Kestra but then Picard comes over and sort of confronts 
Soji's having a real problem with reality. She thinks she's being uh, tricked again. She thinks she can't trust anybody. She's having a really tough time. And Picard comes over and sort of pushes her a little bit, challenges her to sort of, you know, oh, of course, that's what's happening. Ha, ha, ha. And sort of pushing her. And then Troy sort of runs him over a little bit and sort of says, listen, you know, don't be a jerk. You know, like this person is hurting and, you know, you need to be yourself. You need to be, you know, kind to her. You need to understand her position. And that sort of sets up the next scene between all of them. Right, right. And it's a it's a good move from a counselor to be like, look, this is what this person needs. You need to, you need to be a little bit more empathetic to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, then we switch back over to the artifact where Hugh and Elna are like, all right, you know, we need to take over this cube and we need, we need to end up stopping this plot, right? This is, this is getting out of hand. And Nerissa and her and her goons are like, are you dumb? Obviously, we, we were keeping surveillance on you. We know what you're saying. And they're, you know, they're going to pew, pew, pew and ninja there. And, and they do. And they have a pretty cool uh, fight scene. But unfortunately, this, uh, this poor, naive, uh, poor, naive ninja here gets convinced by by Nerissa, like, look, this is the the Kolambawat. I forget what his his ninja group is called. You remember with the the, the Romulan name of uh, of his sect. Yeah, his his uh, his space nun, uh, his space nun team. Oh, the the Kowat Malat. Yes, yes. Right. Nerissa says this is not how those and how the Tal Shiar fights a Kowat Malat. Yeah. Well, yeah. Didn't, she doesn't say Tal Shiar. She actually uses the the other name, the Jal, the, the, the Vash. Vash, Yeah. Yeah. So she convinces them, like, hey, why don't we we punch it out? So they they do kung fu, but oh no, Hugh can't leave well enough alone. He had his face exposed around the corner, watching what was going on, and she takes the opportunity to throw little like throwing knife i think is what it was yeah and, and gets him in the neck so the so poor uh poor hugh another another xb bites the dust yeah and a familiar face again sad moment for a character that uh you know obviously had some tragic beginnings and and uh a real sort of sort of happy life and trying to recover these xbs and and, and a tragic ending here yeah yeah uh now we we switch over to see what the the crew is doing on uh, la sirena and auntie rafi has has gotten some cake <laughs> and, and some milk even for um, for Dr. Girardi. And a lot of cake. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of cake. Yeah, yeah. red velvet cake, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I wrote this correctly, but I guess they, they had that little bit of, of, of nicety and we, we switched back over to the, the table dinner, this this pizza being eaten and uh, sort of the, the ready room, uh, not the TV show, but the, you know, the place on uh, the Enterprise where Picard would meet with his senior staff to, mm-hmm. to discuss the situation. They have a, a, a talk kind of like that and they're like well yeah. what if this ship doesn't show up uh it's it's gonna take a little while for your uh your your scallywag your your ragtag crew to to show up uh are you even sure maybe you should get the federation involved here and get starfleet involved um how are we gonna end up finding this particular um planet that has you know two dark blood red moons and a lot of lightning and uh kestra who uh, probably shouldn't be texting at the table but but she does and she she finds the end She's like, oh, I, I found it on my my little iPhone here, uh, and they're like, oh, well, all I did was I just texted Captain Crendel, who we used to work with you, and uh, they told me where it is. So now we know the planet, oh. or at least the characters do. So did she really call Captain Crendel, or 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 you know, sent an iMessage, I guess, a text yeah. message or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, and then wow, the editing on this is like so confusing. Now we go back to Lassie as we jump locations around, and we're 
in the sick bay. Um, Gerardi was eating her cake, and then uh, Rios comes around the corner and says, "That stupid shadow is back." The 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 signal that had been following them since they left the uh, the artifact. They know they're being followed, and so she's getting more and more upset. She ends up throwing up her her cake. Mm. So Rizzo takes her to the sick bay. Yeah, she throws up a lot on this show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is, is it the blue pill? Finally it's twi- twice in? in one episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she is trying to self medicate, I guess, in an attempt no, to. No, she was trying to commit suicide. Was it a well, suicide I... thing? Because it, it sounded like it was like I was confused. I thought she was trying to maybe disable the blocker. Yeah, I'm not sure that that's clear. It's, it's oh, one or yeah. the other. Either she was trying to kill herself, or but I mean, she synthesized something very specific. I don't know if it was meant to to damage whatever the signal would do, or if it was meant to actually kill her. You'd think she'd be trying to actually just block the effects because even if she's dead, it might still transmit, right? Right. Well, that's just it. Maybe yeah. Maybe maybe it uses something her neural pathways or something like that to do it. But yeah, because I totally clued out on the fact that that when they were being tracked, they were being tracked by her because she took the blue pill, right? Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. says she that she synthesized geranium hydride toxin mm-hmm. and then injects it into her neck and then hits the floor pretty hard. Yeah. And she's uh, like foaming and convulsing when the when the EMH activates. Yeah. And it's like it's like it definitely seems to take emergency medical as was really seriously in its title. It sort of waits to the last moment, I guess. But then it has it has its desired effect, right? Like she if she was trying to block the signal, it works. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Because we cut we cut back to the snakehead and and uh, Narek is swearing and his signal has clearly gone out. Oh, really? Okay, right. Okay. Because remember, he's like he's fidgeting with his his uh, controls and he starts to look panicked and then he yells Kaj, which clearly is Klingon for something expletive or uh, not Klingon, Romulan, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, we go back to the artifact and Elnar is in a real bad situation now, right? Because he uh, he was told by Hugh before Hugh died, he's like, you know, you need to get an XB, somebody who can take over this cube and and help you out here. Um, but what the heck is he going to do? It was like, well, uh, he finds the key to his salvation. He finds the uh, the small little uh, like keychain style transmitter, like a like a little pager or beeper for the Fenris Rangers or Seven herself. It's a little ambiguous what Seven of Nine had had passed over. Well, she gave that to to Picard, right? So did Picard drop it somehow? Or I, I don't remember Picard's being on a chain like that though, because he sees it no. it's hanging off the table on a chain. I don't know to whom that belongs, but uh, so I don't know if that's the one that's supposed to be Picard's or if that's just another one. But he sees it and he recognizes what it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he clicks symbol. on it and it it says you know Fenris alert. So it's clearly sending a signal to Seven. Right, right. Or somebody. That's got to be. Seven. I think, yeah. There aren't many XBs left. Yeah. There's not. Um, we go back to Nepende for a handful of small scenes, a little coffee walk and talk with uh, Picard and Riker and the, uh, as I wrote down here, they draw me like one of your French girls yeah. uh, with Kestra uh, making some illustrations of uh, of Soji. And while she's sleeping. While she's sleeping. Yeah. 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 And uh, finally the, you know, the crew is, is in place. Yeah, Rios and, and company are there close enough and uh, we do a little beam me up Scotty to end the episode with Soji and Picard uh, getting beamed up. And, and what felt like a bit of a, you know, final farewell kind of thanks for everything moment for, for Riker and Troy, too. Mm-hmm. Sort of, you know, they sort of give each other the, all the things that you'd want them to say to each other if that's the last time they were going to see each other, right? But you know what's funny? Because usually in these kind of things, there's a trope where the family that helps them ends up getting offed by the bad guys when they come through, you know? Yeah. I don't know how, oh. how you could play that game with this particular family, though. Well, I mean, yeah, because 
Riker's got his Alexa, Alexa home defense unit, right? Well, and not to mention that, like, they already sort of spell out their tragedy, right? They lost their son, and I don't know how I, I don't know how you could add to that at this point, right? Mm, okay. And yeah, plus, I, that, I think that was supposed to be the purpose of Jurati's sacrifice. Like, she, uh, we should clarify, she, it's, uh, the AMH says that she's in a coma um, right. by the end of the episode, that she's she's induced herself into a coma with whatever she's injected herself with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the idea is that in doing that, the snakehead can't follow them to the planet, therefore Riker and Troy and Kestra aren't at risk. Right, okay, okay. Yeah, because Rios knew he was getting tailed, so he went an alternate route to not reveal, you know, probable where locations where yeah. they were going. Yeah. Even doing stuff like dropping out a warp. It's like, haha, look, that dummy's going to be light, light years ahead of us by the time he figures out we're not in front anymore. Um, until he later realized, wait a minute, that we must, that we're getting tracked somehow here, because how could he possibly know that we dropped out into this? So why does he talk to, to Girardi about, it? he thinks it's Rafi? Well, because Rafi, he wasn't clear on what her motivations were. He doesn't know the whole... Uh, yeah. Well, I guess he knows he does know everything, but he sort of says, I, I don't know, is it supposed oh, to be is he trying reverse to draw psychology? Out of Girardi, That's right? it, because he does know where she was. So is he trying to sort of get her to confess, or is he... Because, I mean, I think it's pretty clear to anyone who's sitting there that Gerardi's ask, acting pretty squirrely, right? Right, right. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure how to read what Rios was doing either. I, I could see either interpretation, and I'm, and I'm sure we'll find out about whether he was uh, sort of truly, like, you know, Rafi's acting kind of weird, or mm-hmm. if he was reverse psychologying uh, Dr. Gerardi to try, to try to guilt her into, like, well, no, no, it's, it's not her, it's me, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, she looked like she was on the verge of, I mean, she says, it's not her, it wasn't her, it's not her. <laughs> like, she's, she is pretty much confessing there, right? Right, oh, I see, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And of the three of us, is not her. Yeah. Uh, um, we have one of our one of our theories debunked at the beginning of this episode. Uh, I remember when we we were talking about the sunglasses that uh, Commodore O was wearing. That yeah. Maybe there was some sort of well, maybe she's a Riemann or maybe she's a Romulan or something like that. But um, she mind melded, and only Vulcans can mind meld. Romulans can't do it. So we know it's not her. We know she, or we know she's a Vulcan for real. Whether her right. intentions are good or ill, she's she's still clearly a Vulcan. Yeah. But those ears, man. I know she's got quite the pair of ears. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. like baby Yoda. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of wondering. So, I, I, I did see the preview for, for next week, and I think it'll be cool. Spoilers. And it does look like there's some pew pew pew, which is always appreciated. Um, but I'm, I'm projecting. So, we have three episodes left, right? Eight, mm-hmm. nine, and ten uh, this season. Now, granted, these are what are they like 40 minutes a piece? This one was 58 today. So I said it was 58 minutes, including credits this yeah. week. And that includes the credits and the um, they do the previously on, which was a good minute and a half but yeah i kind of wonder i kind of wondered because it comes out at nine just as we're starting to record here i, w- I kind of wonder how much they lose to commercials because they only show up for an hour Do right? they? I, Every- thought, I thought they just played it until it was over oh i don't know it's hard to sell with rogers but the, the pvr would only run for an hour yeah it would probably be kind of annoying if it was 58 minutes because you know 50 like what is it 20 minutes is like a half hour 40 minutes is an hour show on with regular tv right 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 with so, breaks it's like 40 45 minutes for an hour show yeah so we've got some Somewhere between, and depending how they do it, you know, two to three hours worth of content to go, which on the one hand, that's, that's kind of like a movie, right? You could have a full movie, you know, beginning to end with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my hypothesis of what's going to happen in very general terms is I think a main part of this arc will get resolved, but I think this will v- lead very heavily on, and you got to see season two, because this yeah. doesn't feel like it's wrapping up anytime soon. Right. This was a kind of 
of a long episode, though, didn't you find? Like, with the bouncing around and stuff? Didn't it feel longer than the other episodes? Well, they were doing the three different settings, right? They were on the artifact, they were on uh, the ship, and then they were down on the planet. I think, think, again, I think if it was any tighter, it would have been tough, because I think if you're going to bring back... Uh, Counselor Troy, and you're going to bring back Commander Riker, or Captain Riker. Um, it really feels like the fans would expect a lot of time between them and Picard, and a lot of data download on what they've been up to. And you know, I think you just got to be careful with the pacing of an episode like that to not get the blowback on it too. Yeah, but I, I do think it's doing the the modern thing of uh, and there's different degrees here, right? There's um, there's like uh, I guess semi spoilers for The Witcher. There's like the Witcher style of doing it, where it's like, oh, like it's really really not done at the end of the season so you definitely have to see the subsequent season mm-hmm. or it could be like the um i think discovery did this they did the stranger things style again semi-spoilers for both of these of like oh first season main thing is taken care of but we give a real huge teaser for the next season mm-hmm. right discovery first season ended with like oh yeah we, we took care of the main problems like holy smokes the enterprise what okay see you next year yeah try mm-hmm. to tease I think this this show will probably land somewhere in between. I don't know how it's going to wrap up um, for all these big, huge uh, plot threads, but I think at least you know one or two of them we get taken care of with the third thread being left out there to tease right, you into right. season two. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'd be I would be frustrated if they tried to wrap all this up. Like they've been weaving a pretty wide you know, tapestry here. I don't know that it would be very satisfying if they were to, to sort of try and do all that in the next three episodes. Seems you're you're right. I think it would, the pacing would be really off yeah so you you, you have to deal with the oof, count them you, you have to deal with what's going on with the synthetics mm-hmm. right what who, who or what made them go bad um what is the deal with the the home world of of synthetics for the 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 maddox style synth or androids i'm not really sure what to call them uh what's going to happen with the the xbs what's going to happen with sort of romulan society in general because they're in transition and then at smaller levels you have like well rafi and rios both need some more delving into their past and some some fixing up right they're they're broken people at the moment yeah yeah no it seems like there's that and then again seven of nine mixing back into the mix you know elnor needs to have some satisfactory uh character development Uh, the whole conspiracy the whole you know like uh, you know the conspiracy not just you know who did this to the synths originally but you know like all the involvement of the vulcans and the Federation and the Romulans and yeah, it's they're they're weaving a pretty big uh, a pretty pretty big tapestry. You want to kind of see them get into it, right? You want to see them, uh, you know. Again, obviously they've already confirmed they're doing a season two. I, I don't know how many seasons they have of this in them, but but yeah, I, I think you're right. I think we'll be lucky to sort of get to the next thing now that we. I mean, the obvious one, and you've seen the preview, but the obvious one is now they know where they're going, right? So thanks to uh, uh, Kestra, they know where they're supposed to go to. I think I wrote it down. It's the the VAT system and the Gullian right. sector um, thanks to Captain Crandall. So, you know, logically they're going to head there. They're going to try and get some answers. Um, you know, we know that Narek and Narissa are, are hot to, to get on them and they'll try and figure out what that is. But yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be a fun next few episodes. Again, I feel like this series was a bit of a slow burn for the first two or three episodes to sort of get us actually into space and get things rolling. And then the last uh, three or four episodes have just been really rapid pace and really moving along. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even though this was 58 
58 minutes. It was a breezy 58 minutes. It kept moving. Yeah. I'm going to call it here and say my prediction of of the, the final scene for, for this season will do what Discovery did and be like, oh, no, you know, here's this situation. Oh, what? The Enterprise. And then, bump, see you next year. <laughs> That's what I think. I think the Enterprise will, will make its appearance. Oh, and then you can go yeah. you can go buy the model in Eagle Moss or Are something. Sure Discovery's not going to come back at this at this late stage? In Picard? Yeah. <laughs> well, they're yeah, traveling through time now. It'd be crazy. It's like, oh. They have the TARDIS now. They can do Cross that. Over. So where are we? We were just in the 30th century. It's like, oh, yeah. you're almost in the 25th. All right. That's that's cool. I guess that's better. <laughs> we're closer <laughs> to home. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking yeah. of TARDIS, we're talking about Doctor Who. <sighs> All right. Big sigh. No. <laughs> what did you think of this? Do we want to recap or just dive in? Do you know what? I f- Doctor Who? Yeah. I found it very confusing. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, very confusing. I mean, I, I, I mean I've, I've, I've got it worked out, but I mean, we were just crediting, uh, you know, Trek over the last few episodes for, you know, they are doing these sort of back and forth and they're sort of weaving their narratives together. You know, we gave our, our, our kudos to Jonathan Frakes for some some excellent directing and, and, uh, and the rest of the work they're doing there. Man, Doctor Who is the opposite. Opposite. Like I am having a tough time keeping my eyes on what the heck's happening there. And they're cutting between like multiple settings and, you know, they're in the past, they're in the future, they're yeah, she's talking planet. to Dumbledore at one point. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, it was just, it was and kind then, of all yeah. over the place. Not, not in my estimation, a particularly well-made episode, if, if anything beyond no. that. No, I, I found it very confusing. I, I, you know, I was watching it late at night for the first part and uh, I just, I just couldn't keep up with it. And then, so I, I turned it off and I watched it the next day to watch the rest of it and uh yeah it was just the first the first chunk of it was like super confusing and then just like is it a dream was it in her head you know all that kind of stuff right well and then, and then, and then they took the you know uh the the new showrunners for the last couple of years kind of got their put their stamp on the show by completely rewriting doctor who's history from the beginning yes yes, yes. so just to recap that they they basically changed the story so the story always was that doctor who was one of the time lords the time lords were this sort of uh eternal race that lived on Gallifrey. Well, originally Doctor Who was the la- one of the last of the Time Wars. That's time right. Wars. That's yeah. right. And uh, and yeah, and they were sort of this, you know, all-powerful group and uh, Doctor Who was sort of the rebel of the group and it was sort of, you know, went off plant to go have uh, his slash her own adventures and uh, they've sort of done this whole thing now to sort of rewrite history to sort of say, no, actually, they were just a simple people who, you know, then developed, one of them explored space, found this mysterious child and then that child had these mysterious abilities and they all copied those abilities and then uh yeah but that they, child was doctor who but that's it and the, the child that turns what? out is doctor who who is actually the character because again i think we were sort of thinking that it was going to be the 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 robot uh, the cyberman that was this the backstory that we saw last episode um where they were exploring the you know you're a child and you're you know they found on the side of the road and you were raised by these people in ireland and you became a cop and all this stuff and and it turns out that that was actually the doctor's origin story in some sort of weird twisted way like right, yeah yeah i don't know i may again you're our you're our, our hoobie nubian newbie nubian newbie hoovian and uh Hoobian. um what did you make of all this was it cleared were you able to follow along with where they were going with all this 
you know, it's 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 interesting because I come in not knowing the canon, so I just sort of roll with stuff. So it seemed a lot simpler to me than it seems to you guys. <laughs> but that's because I don't have to stitch together 50, 60 some odd years of like, wait a minute, how does this correspond to that? Like I can do that sort of stuff with Trek. I can't do it so well with this. So I, in my head, was like, all right, so the whole doctor setup is a lie. So the whole thing about the limit on regenerations for the doctor in particular is not true because the doctor is actually this child that had been found by the toboggan people. <laughs> it's like Shabog or something. Um, and they had experimented and realized that regeneration exists. They're ultimately able to take the regenerative uh, regeneration power and splice it into what I guess became the Time Lords people's DNA. Um, and at some point, the ruling body, the government of the Time Lords decided that, hey, nobody should live forever. So you get, was it 12? 12, 12 Re- yeah. 12 regenerations. Yep. Which and doesn't explain the 13th Doctor. Well, and it just goes beyond that too, because then they, we are seeing other glimpses of other lives and it does obviously brings clarity to what we had talked about with the other, um, the other doctor that appeared earlier, right? Who is that? Well, that's clearly one of the unknown things before she had her memory wiped. So how many doctors have there been, right? Yeah. So it, it seemed like a what I perceived as a retcon of like, oh, okay, this is how they, they unlock the potential where um, there doesn't have to be a limit on the number of doctors because this person is special and doesn't have that limitation. Yeah. Right. And, it, and I was like, oh, once you remove that limitation, then the other doctor who didn't recognize makes sense, especially when we have the, the memory wipe thing of like, you know, thank you for your service. You're done, sir. Sort of thing uh, that we saw for the the person who was retiring from the force. Um, so that, that made sense to me. And then it, it kind of made sense when I was like, all right, you know, I kind of get the idea of the, the master's character and, and why would extra make him mad? Like you've been walking around like you're special and it turns out you are. It's like, damn it. You're right. You know, and I hate you for that. Um, so that part made, made sense to me. And then his, his idea of like, why don't I take these awesome Borg Cybermen and blend them together with Time Lords so that they're unkillable because they'll just keep regenerating Mm -hmm. given how powerful they are to begin with. This this perfect army. And it also seemed like, uh, you know, when in a lot of Doctor Who that I've seen over the last uh, two seasons, I'm like, uh, I guess the the Doctor's kind of like Batman, right? Like you you don't kill because you know, going pew 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 would have definitely solved a lot of problems much more cleanly and easily. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, that's just the way the character is. So to me, I read the, the way that the Master had set things up where he's like look go ahead and, and kill me with the uh omega particle equivalent that they called it right like go ahead yep. do it like uh, this is like the joker who set up the situation of like go ahead batman kill me because once you do i've won forever right i mm-hmm. broke you i broke your 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 perfectness right you you're never kill Val. i'll be dead but I'll, I'll have the last laugh so to speak of you know i was able to get you to break your code of honor mm-hmm. so i say all of that with a caveat that i don't really know what's going on but it's <laughs> <laughs> it's even more straightforward to me because I don't have to reconcile it with everything that's gone on before, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's the challenge, I guess, is they get, you know, these shows. I mean, we talk about Trek, obviously Trek's well into its, you know, uh, sixth century of, of play now, and Doctor Who is, is well now, too. And, you know, it depends on how long you can hold on to these things that are, quote, quote unquote, in canon when they were written in the 1960s, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, asking a really dumb question, because I don't know how regeneration works, but... I well, each contract, each actor has a three-year contract, and at the end of it, he has to regenerate into a new actor. <laughs> it's pretty much it. I mean, yeah. no, no. I mean, like this 
uh, this episode implied real heavily to me that you regenerate in place. Yes. Mm. Like if yeah. you died on the corner in fifth, the fifth and main, like you regenerate on fifth and main. And I, that's I didn't know. Yeah. I just assumed, Oh, maybe you just, you show up somewhere and maybe that's like, sometimes you're into TARDIS and that's lucky. And sometimes you end up on the moon, you know, you got to figure it out. No, uh, it's kind of the same body. They just, it just turns into a new shape. Right. So it's like a Phoenix, right? Like, you know, becoming exactly, ashes yeah. and rising again. Yeah. Okay. So again, for the pew, 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 I'm like, you know, I think I'd solve the master problem by just like tying him up and like shooting him 12 to 13 times until, <laughs> until he burns up all his regenerations and I'm done forever. No, that's an extreme way to look at it, but yeah, that would work. <laughs> All you need is a six shot and a uh, little patience. Yeah, yeah. But again, going back to the, the no killing thing, I'm guessing that's heavily against the doctor's sort of ethos. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, spinning out of that, did you guys uh, see the, the note that I had tucked on uh, below this? Do wanna, yeah, for sure. Do, yeah. do you want to get into that one? Uh, sure. I mean, okay. it's, I'm not surprised because I, I found that, like, this, they've been doing a lot of this, splitting them off into separate storylines or stuff, different arcs, right? Um mm. Is that her name? Yep. Her character seems to have, it seems to be more on the ball than, than any of the other ones, right? Um, mm-hmm. There's the play between Bradley Walsh and Tosh and Cole, um, but it sounds like Bradley Walsh is already too busy with his other show, and um, yeah, so that these two guys are going to take a break. And it's not uncommon that characters go away and come back um, as they get better better gigs, um, But because they are after, actors after all. But uh, Yeah, and when we talked about it in a, an episode in the last few weeks, right? Like, it's hard to sustain that momentum and I really think that was you know that was part of the issue I think that maybe both you and I had with this one Tim is mm-hmm. is with the four characters with the doctor plus the three companions plus the other characters that they'd interacted with it over the sort of two part finale yeah. there's just a lot going on and a lot to sort of you know invest in and, and oh what was happening over here what was happening over here like it really does sort of lose the focus I think going back to having maybe you know one companion might be a little easier for us to sort of yeah well they did that with Amy Pond for a while too. Amy Pond was one companion, and then she, and then Rory showed up. And then up, Rory right? came on, yeah. But yeah. again, and, and, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. I think it really well, I think chemistry. they needed Rory to sort of explain River's song, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which we'll, we won't spoil for Hummy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and, and so it's interesting that they and and in this article it talks about you know so, how some companions have gone away and come back as a recurring character later on, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, it's too bad. I like I like uh, Bradley Walsh and Ryan. Yeah, Ryan, I feel like hasn't developed quite as well i felt like mm-hmm. um, walsh's character certainly has a, maybe a little bit more but mm-hmm. but um it'll be interesting to see how they do that obviously we're not going to get another episode until uh until this year's special which is, i don't know if they've announced when yet they've been new year's day the last few years they've gone away from christmas episodes so I'm, we may be looking at uh yeah nine month hiatus i'm of two minds because i you know i did get the sense that having three companions was a little unwieldy um i don't know that in the last two years we've gotten a great sense of these characters I, I felt like uh like graham started out with the most sort of characterization yeah right with the, the loss of his wife and you know he was a bus driver who's retired and kind of had that skill in his relationship with his son uh or yes son um or grandson what was the relationship there it's, um, is ryan to him is it grandson or it's son? like a step grandson or step yeah yeah i couldn't remember if there was like, like a uh, like a level well, of he, heritage he, in between. Um, he was partners with ryan's grandmother, grandmother okay yeah. okay so his, his grandson then yeah. um mm-hmm. uh and, and ryan i felt like was more 
more like an accessory to, to Graham's story for the last couple of years for the most part, although they did give him more to sort of stretch out a little bit by himself mm. and then be independent, is it, particularly when they had like ladies involved, right? He was trying to, to make his way there. And I thought, well, if anything, if I was going to change things up, I'd probably end up losing Yaz because what do we really know about her? Not not a ton. Um, and in places where they do some pew, 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 she doesn't do a lot of it. I'm like, she's a cop. She is literally trained to do this. Like, yeah, she has yeah, to do yeah, some yeah. marks and stuff. Like, she should be the one pew, pew, pewing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a little surprised that they, they uh, and this is no, you know, no fault of the actress. This is more like, I'm, I'm, I'm unclear why the writers didn't give us more. Um, Cops in the UK don't normally carry guns. Yeah. I mean, I, do they not train? I mean, they don't normally well, have do, them, but it's but like, yeah. oh, crap, uh, we need them now. I, I've never used one before. Hopefully it goes right. Let me beat you with my billy stick. Yeah, yeah no, you'd, you'd get training on guns, uh, especially if you were working on the special services, but I don't know that, uh, like, she's supposed to be like a flat foot, right? She's just a, a beat cop. She walks around and, and patrols the neighborhood. I don't know if that would be part of her training or not. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what would go on, but I just, like, I just internally thought, oh, maybe it's like uh, military boot camp training where even if you're going to end up as like a communications officer or a medic, it's like you got to learn how to shoot guns too because you might mm-hmm. end up having to do that. You might never touch one again after boot camp for the rest of your career, yep. but at the very least you would have done it. Whereas, um, you know, Ryan and Graham, like they're not Americans. They, they sure as heck have never touched guns, right? <laughs> this, is yeah, a, right. this is a totally different society here. So it's very confused, yep. but we'll see. Maybe, maybe we'll get more about Yaz um, since she'll presumably be the focus. So since this is the wrap of that entire season of, of Doctor Who, um, what are your overall impressions? I mean, uh, we talked a little bit about how it sort of, uh, you know, it started off with a sort of two-parter, and then it there were sort of a few one-offs, then we had the reveal of the new Doctor, and then a couple more sort of one-offs, and then in the two-part finale. What uh, what do you guys take away from, from this whole season? Are we happy with it, sad with it, frustrated with it, uh, want to see more of it? It's okay. I mean, I, I like this Doctor, right? Mm-hmm. And, I li- and I do like the Companions. They, it was like it was tough to get into the companions at first right mm-hmm. i do i mean i do like yaz as, as sort of a as a foil for the doctor as well mm-hmm. um but uh yeah I, it's it's I mean, it's okay i mean I, I definitely find that this this set of showrunners are, are treating it differently than um, i'm trying to remember the name of the guy who was the showrunner on the series before because uh, he was i think he was more involved i think he was involved in the whole the whole new um era of the doctor right yeah um what's his name anyway um yeah this new these new showrunners are just going starting to go in a different direction that's a bit odd right in terms of the sort of canon pieces um like they now have a new tardis right yeah <laughs> they got they got the they they the, one of the things about the doctor who thing moffat, was the fact moffat. that, that moffat yes, yes right the uh the tardis um has always been the broken police box right mm-hmm. that's like I, can't, I i mean i have a tardis on my desk and so does craig ferguson and a number of other people right mm-hmm. uh it's like it's like r2d2 you don't change the shape Right. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. That's easy enough to fix in an episode or two, though. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. You take away these things so you can bring them back again. That's why they kill Superman and bring them back. That's why they kill Captain America and bring well, them I back. Well, I mean, she keeps losing her TARDIS in, in this series, like last this season, and last season, right? She lost it, and she lost it at the very beginning, right? <clears throat> mm-hmm. Because she fell out of the TARDIS. Yeah. Right after she um, transformed. Yep. Or regenerated. Yep. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's it's okay. I mean, it's it's enjoyable. I, I'd still like her better than Capaldi. He was a bit of a grump, right? Yeah. And they, I think he sort of leaned into the way the story was being written too, but it, it was yeah. a little heftier. Again, Jodie Whittaker is very charming. Like she's just she's mm-hmm. a very very charming person. Yeah, she's got I, the just, silly and the smart all rolled into one, right? Which honestly, is what feel the like the, is. yeah, I feel like the letdown on this uh, both this series and the series previous is, 
is the companions. I just I'm not loving the mix. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. All right. For Let's me, our, I, I think this season, and I I think it's more uh, extreme is not the right word. There's a bigger disparity for me in my head between this season and last season. I think last season, you know, was a decent introduction for me. Uh, like the Doctor, um, the difference between the arc stories or episodes and the the standalone episodes weren't really that distinctive to me in terms of did I prefer one over the other very distinctly. Whereas this season, I felt like I really didn't like the standalone episodes, and I liked a lot the story arc episodes. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, I do for the standalones. I agree with you, Jaime. I think the standalones were better last year, yeah. or at least there was less of a disparity. Yeah, and I think the the well that they dipped into too much was the um how do you even call it this the environmentalism uh, yeah i guess uh, environmentalism it was like watching captain planet episodes is what it sort of felt it was a little too on the nose yeah yeah it was not subtle it was not right right uh, but definitely dug the 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 lone cyberman stuff uh definitely dug the um master's whole plan here and, and what he was trying to do at least as i understand it maybe maybe if i knew but <laughs> maybe if i knew more about doctor who i'd be like oh this is terrible look this doesn't meet whatever the gene roddenberry equivalent of doctor who is vision right yeah. maybe i'd be very angry on on twitter and reddit or something but i i, I liked the arc stuff this time yeah. all right let's move on to our watch list shall we folks um jonathan what you got yeah so uh, i just thought i flagged this one just because it coming, it's coming very quickly we talked uh, in the last few episodes about westworld and the the final trailer that's come it's coming out on uh, sunday the march 15th so it's it's rapidly approaching uh, by the time uh, everyone listening to this it'll be uh, only a few more days um I'm curious to see how, how it goes. Again, I know not everybody's caught up on it, um, but it's it's been an interesting development for the show and where they brought it. I found second season, uh, the way that they tried to sort of manipulate our perceptions of um, events and time was a little a bit of an unusual storytelling choice, but then there were some really interesting twists and, and certainly some interesting character developments. And again, the acting on the show is, is superb. Um, I'm curious to see how they bring it all together. I'm, I'm really curious to see how they sort of reconcile those two seasons into something else and as we discussed previously I'm curious to see if they sort of are, are headed towards an ending if this is building culminating towards a, a conclusion uh, I'd certainly got vibes and we talked about this when we watched the last trailer I've gotten a little bit of sort of you know Blade Runner vibes these sort of artificial humans speaking of as we have with Star Trek uh, artificial humans you know what, what it'll mean now that they're uh, interacting more with human beings and that'll mean for the to get into that forward to it mm-hmm. alright Jaime what you got I have what would have been a well timed YouTube video, but it's not so much. I guess you have seven months to contemplate this 10-minute video. Uh, it's called, uh, well, the, the, the YouTube channel is called Lessons from the Screenplay. Then this one, they cover Casino Royale and how action reveals character, in this case for James Bond. Um, and it does a pretty good job. I don't want to steal the thunder too much, but it, it does a pretty good job explaining how the action, particularly for the first um, you know opening scene of Casino Royale, really helps you know set the stage for not only the James Bond character as shown in Casino Royale, but really setting the stage for this era of the franchise, hmm. right? That this wasn't the the older, suave, sophisticated yeah, this is tons not your of gadgets. James Bond. Yeah. yeah, it's not a Roger Moore. It, it's not, you know, a, a Pierce Brosnan. It's not a Sean Connery. This is a, a younger, uh, more fit man, but also uh, less experienced, less nuanced than just this blunt instrument, which is this this bull in a china shop just trying to do whatever 
ever possible to get things done. And when you watch the video, I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty convinced that without really explicitly stating it, you know, turning to the camera and stating this, the film does a pretty good job of sort of giving you the right expectations of what you're going to expect. And now we even have sort of a, a little arc, right, between the, the young brash Bond until you get to like Skyfall Bond where he's like way too yeah. old to do this anymore. Inspector is like, dude, he's even older. And now in No Time to Die, I just assume he's even more too old for this crap, right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll see. But uh, I definitely appreciated the way that these, uh, these folks analyzed that. And I think it was pretty insightful and worth a watch. Did the phrase uh, Jason Bourne come up at any point? I don't think so. But that would definitely be an influence, right? And the, the kind of style that's going on at that time. Yeah, it really felt like uh, there was sort of, you know, there was a sort of understanding of the James Bond um, aesthetic. And then while it was sort of in its search for the new Bond, those those uh, Matt Damon, Jason Bourne movies started coming out and people, they were wildly successful. And that sort of more grounded version of the spy thriller sort of took off. And, and then when we saw Casino Royale, it really, it, it sort of blended those two worlds very well. And it really, you know, I think they owe a certain level of uh, credit to the Bourne movies for those influences to bring us that sort of um, more balanced version where it's not just, you know, uh, wacky gadgets and, and um, you know, turning to the camera and winking. It's 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 a little more subtle than that. And it's a little more, um, well, I mean, it, you know, the scene in Casino Royale with the torture scene and stuff like that, it's a little more grounded, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think uh, not so much a preview for uh, No Time to Die, but uh, pretty soon here, there will be a new James Bond. I'm kind of surprised it wasn't this movie because it, it sort of seemed mm -hmm. like Daniel Craig wasn't coming back. But I remember uh, how fans were, including myself, when they made the announcement of Daniel Craig being uh, Bond blonde for Bond. Casino Royale. The like, blonde Bond. I'm like, the, the Russian spy dude is, you know, who, who obviously would play that role in, in older Bond series. That dude is James Bond? Um, I don't know. You know, I just came out <laughs> of the Pierce Brosnan era. I don't know about this. And yet now I look at it and be like, obviously that's James Bond when I see his face. Yep. And uh, we'll go through this yet again very soon in a year or two, possibly, you know, three or four. But when there's a new Bond, come back to this episode. We'll do follow-up and see. Remember when everybody was super upset <laughs> <laughs> and hurt when Daniel Craig was cast? It's be whoever, you know, the, the lucky actor or actresses will go through the same sort of thing. Yeah. Well, and he's now, uh, he's the third, uh, this with the fifth movie coming out, he'll be the third most Bond movies, right? He'll have passed uh, Brosnan. And yeah, it's only Sean Connery and Roger Moore ahead of him, uh, both of whom played that character well past probably their best before dates. Um, <laughs> but one thing back I feel, even after that, right? I, yeah, I feel much more confident in Daniel Craig at his age to pull off a believable spy than I maybe what Sean Connery was in his last role and certainly what Roger Moore was by his last role. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys have ever seen this this uh, one particular um, YouTube channel called Nerd Writer. Um, he does similar things. You probably should check some of these guys out, um, Jaime, because he does uh, sort of visual essays on different subject matter. Um, like he's doing one right now on, on uh, or did one a couple of months ago on the parasite. I, I stumbled across him because he examined uh, uh, a, a musician, uh, a, a musical group that I follow, Steely Dan, right? But he does really interesting things like how Andrew Wyatt paints a painting, how Bernie Sanders answers a question, you know? Um, and they're they're really intelligently written, you know, 
know, thoughtful pieces. So you should check them out. I'll find some examples to, to show you. But if you're into this kind of like essay on particular character, that kind of stuff, he does these kind of pieces. So check that out. Anyway, um, my my uh, thing this week is it's not so much a watch list as a what I watched list. My sister and I went to see 1917 the other day because I figured I want to see it in the theater before it's gone. It's it's no longer playing in the fancy smancy, you know, uh, 40s and IMAX. This is just playing a regular theater. So I just went down to the Beaches Theater, which is just down the street from me here. It's, a, it's not a very big theater, but... Um I wanted to see this movie in the theater because cause of, cause of a couple of things about it. And I don't know if you guys have seen it or not, but it's it's very reminiscent of a sort of a Memento kind of movie where if you remember Memento was kind of a movie you, you kind of sort of had to watch once because once you figured it out, you kind of, you know, once you got to the end of the movie, which was actually the beginning of the story, um, you know, the, the, the reveal had happened. This movie is interesting because it's meant to be like one continuous take, right? The cameras walk with the guys as they're going. Going through their little adventure and it's a really interesting way that they portray the way that you know life was like what life would have been like in uh the trenches in in france and germany i'm not sure exactly where this this one takes place but uh it's april 6 1917 is the date of the movie i'm not sure if that has any historical significance people can let me know if they know um anyway so it's it kind of follows these guys and, and it's amazing to see how you know like horribly these guys lived and the kind of things that they had to deal with to, to get from one from one point to another they have to get to this particular they have like eight hours to get to somewhere and stop a battle which i think everybody kind of knows that's just the, the sort of gist of the movie but it's what happens to these two guys along the way that that's kind of amazing or interesting and uh, as the story goes but uh, also because i talked about it last week in the visual effects category um where the you know the the visual effect artist had sort of broken down how the the movie was made and it's it's really really cool like uh there's a i think i put a clip in last week's uh show notes that shows from twitter where um you know like you kind of see how they 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 had two guys carrying they had a crane that, that followed the actor as as he walked through the trenches and then they the two cameramen go and grab the camera while it's still rolling and pick it up and carry it over to a truck and then put it on the truck and the truck starts to move as the guy starts to run through the battlefield like that's how it kind of like behind the scenes inside baseball kind of way that they filmed this but when you watch the film there really are only like three or four places where they could have actually made a cut in 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 the shooting right so it's got that Paths of Glory Stanley Kubrick used to do that a lot where he would have one continuous take it was like in Paths of Glory he has um, Kurt Douglas walk from one end of a huge castle to another you know or walk through battlefields and stuff like that very similar to this kind of movie he did that he did that in in two Space Odyssey. He did that, of course, with uh, uh, Eyes Wide, Eyes Wide Open, Eyes Wide Shut. Was it? Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He did that a lot in that one, where you know you have continuous uh, scenes of Tom Cruise walking through New York and that kind of stuff. But um, this, it's a good movie. I think. I think you know whether it's probably. I still don't think it's the best movie I saw last year. I still think Parasite was way better than this, um, for obvious reasons, and, and cl- clearly a lot of people agreed with me. Um, but yeah, I think it's worthwhile seeing this one. Jonathan and I used to have a used to have a rating system where we would say, "Is it a rental?" Right, mm-hmm. um, and meaning what that meant was back in the day, you either either went to the movies and you you stood in line and you watched the movie on on the big screen, or you waited till it came out on VHS and you watched it at home. Um, 
I think you want to watch it on a on a big big as big television as you can, uh, or in a movie theater. I, I think it would be interesting to see it in IMAX uh, if that was how it was intended to be seen initially. I don't know if it was if, if it was in IMAX uh, initially, but um, it is a, it, it does need to be enjoyed on a grand scale. But definitely, uh, I would say it's it's pretty close to a rental. The story is is pretty good, um, but and it kind of it really does sort of portray how I guess the the life in, in the, the First World War would have been like, but as much as you could experience it in an eight-hour span, which is how long the movie takes, like in terms of real time, right? Um, it's meant to be like, you know, it's, it's a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour movie, I guess, but they, but it covers eight hours of time in the movie, and I'm not going to give that away, but sort of like uh, Dunkirk in that sense, too. Dunkirk had that same sort of feel. Um, there's, there's more stuff happening in Dunkirk, because Dunkirk bounces around from different storylines, so they all kind of tie together. But um, yeah, this is this is an interesting movie from from how you go from point A to point B and and what happens at the end, right? So it kind of comes full circle at the end, which I won't give that away either. But definitely check it out if you can. Can I just piggyback on you for one second? Yeah, uh, I listened to a podcast this week that sort of ties in your 1917 recap. Reminded me, um, so there's a podcast called The Rewatchables on the Ringer Podcast Network, and Rewatchables. The idea is these are the movies that you love to just sit down rewatch if you stumble across them on tv or if you see them you know sort of partway through you'll stop because you love this scene or that scene or, or just they're just very rewatchable movies and so usually it's you know any number of the staffers from the ringer which is a sports and pop culture website that do this but i guess around the holidays um quentin tarantino joined them for a couple of episodes three in a row and they let him pick the movies and he right. picked dunkirk as one of his movies and so i listened to it it was about, about an hour and a half hour and 40 minutes of him and uh, a couple of the um, senior editors uh, and film critics on there talking about why Dunkirk, he, he basically starts the argument by saying Dunkirk is the second best movie of the last decade. Really? And and then talks about it from the director's perspective, from the filmmaker's perspective, all the tricks, all the stuff. And for people who love movies, to hear somebody like Tarantino, somebody as, as smart and savvy a filmmaker as him, analyze uh, how Chris Nolan makes a movie... It, it was fascinating. It was utterly fascinating. I highly recommend uh, if you're a fan of Tarantino or a fan of Dunkirk or Christopher Nolan's films, um, that's definitely worth a listen. It was really, really interesting to hear him break down uh, how you decide to do some of these scenes and how you shoot it and why it works. And of course, Dunkirk's got that very sort of initially complicated. You were talking about things that require a second watch, right? How Dunkirk really benefits from a second watch because it's got that sort of uh, triple timeline narrative thing going on. Yeah. Um, and, and interesting to sort of hear somebody like that break that down. I would definitely say 1917 is a rewatchable. Like you could, you could. I think if if I flipped a channel and 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 it was on, I would stop and watch it. And and I would say that for any part of the movie, you don't have to watch it from the very beginning to the very end. But it does help in, in, from the from the point of view of knowing the story. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a fascinating film to watch because you know um, I, I do know a lot about how movies are made, and because I've seen a lot of them, and I've and I've sort of gone behind the scenes and you know watched the the, the making ofs and all that kind of stuff. And and I did watch a bit of making of this one um, for as much as we could before it's actually coming out on Blu-ray or whatever, but um, it is a, 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 a definitely a rewatchable movie for sure. Cool. 
Get on it. Right, well, I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, Jonathan, if people want to get in touch with you, where would they look? I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News. All right, and how many people want to get in touch with you? I'm on Twitter as at Dev with the Hair. As I say, my name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, on the Twitter machine, and that's where you'll find me. And so until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. Beam me up, Scotty. And choose and, not to die. And he never called Wrecker number one. No, it's true. Hey, by the way, was this episode re- directed by Wrecker? No. Oh. no. I saw on uh, Instagram today that uh, um, Issa Briones, the, the woman who plays um, Soji, posted a picture from the set of this episode. Right. And it was her with the three of them, with the, with um, uh, Marina Sirtis, Jonathan Frakes, and, and uh, Patrick Stewart, but also dropping by the set for a visit were Michael Dorn and um, LeVar Burton. Oh, wow. Really? So it's, it's, she's got a picture of her with the five of them, and she's just wow. like, yeah, like pinch me, you know? Oh like, my god, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. again, you're you're only a couple away from a full house on that one. Yeah. yeah what's, your Twitter, like, what's your Twitter Twitter handle? Uh, oh, that's a good question. Uh, I think it's just Isa I S A yeah I S A C A S Isa Camille Briones. I S A. She's a fun follow. She's she's having a really good time being being. Uh, How do you spell it? I S A I S A C A M I. L L E B R I O B R I O N E S. Coming up. I S A C A M I L L E. Anyway, it's a verified account. So, hmm. but yeah, she's a, she's a fun follower. She's she's having a good time, uh, sort of enjoying the spotlight, and um, she posts the, a lot of the um, Instagram stories where she's you know just finding herself in these weird situations and think, makes a little video. Hmm. See this uh, th- that photo. It uh, it plays into my my call in the shot ahead of time of the. Enterprise arriving and being the, the last thing we end up seeing for the season. You know, it's like, the Enterprise has arrived. And, you know, Worf is like, Admiral Picard, I've, I've come with the Enterprise. Also, I picked up Jordy on the way, so he can probably help too. <laughs> 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 He's hitching a ride with me. That's right. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. I, I think it would be far more satisfying if we do get any more cameos. And obviously we've gotten, you know, seven. We got Hugh. We got, you know, well, I mean, it's more than a cameo. But if we got these sort of appearances by these established characters, it would be a lot more satisfying if we got them sort of staggered out. I don't want them to, you know, as much as fun as it would be to see, you know, all seven or eight of the original, uh, um, you know, crew in one spot. I think it's also, it'd be nice to sort of have him accidentally, you know, in his adventure bump into Wesley Crow.
Crusher and bumped into, <laughs> you know, the, the Doctor and, you know. And am I the only one who's just had this across their mind? Aren't you a little bummed that he didn't end up with the Doctor in some capacity? Who? Picard? Picard. Yeah, weren't they good buddies, though? Yeah, they sort of, I think they sort of ended up as buddies. But, you know, after all that flirtation, you feel like, you know, there should have been some payoff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He did marry her in the alternate future and all good things. That's true. Mm-hmm. Married and divorced. So, um, I mean, who's to say that didn't happen? You know? Yeah. They would have made some reference to it. It's, you know, when he's, he made some reference to like, you know, getting old and, and dying or whatever in, in tonight's episode, it would have been um, pretty, pretty depressing if, you know, he's like, yeah, I was just, you know, waiting to die with my hag of a wife, the doctor from the Enterprise. <laughs> I mean, I figure maybe they're, they're, you know, old enough where they, they had gotten married and then divorced and then, you know, cause people were wondering when he had the, that doctor from the Stargazer come and give him his, you know, mar- medical marijuana prescription. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, couldn't have been crushed. It's like, bro, what if that's his ex? Are you going to call your ex and be like, I need you to commit this ethical violation and crime for me <laughs> so yeah. I can go off on this crazy trip? Yeah. Who's more likely to help you than your ex-wife? It's already weird and sketch as it is. Like, he, he may or may not have murdered her husband, <laughs> depending on, <laughs> on people's theories about that. You know, Whoa, how accidental this... Jack Crusher's death was. <laughs> that's, a, that's a real, like, Reddit, subreddit uh, conversation we're starting here, Jaime. <laughs> Did Picard kill Jack Crusher? Yeah. All the evidence. Points to yes. Yeah. Welcome to the slash Did Picard Kill page mm-hmm. on Reddit. Yeah, it, it, they're like I'm. I'm quite certain that, that of all the combination of various theories and and speculations that have been on Reddit, I'm sure at least one of those has figured out all the plot. It ended up happening with Discovery. Uh, I think probably for both seasons. Um, even though we're talking about like, oh, you know, these these various uh, hypotheses have been disproven. Like maybe not because Reddit just adapts. It says, all right, so Commodore O did the mind meld, but you know why? Because actually she is from the future where the Vulcans and the Romulans have blended together. So actually she's technically <laughs> Romulan, but she's like future Romulan Vulcan hybrid. And that's why she doesn't have the eye uh, protection. She needs the, the sunglasses, but also she can mind melt. So it, it, it mm. be, there are still people who are convinced that Rios is a hologram, oh. uh, despite us seeing him go, uh, you know, on an away mission. Like, oh, but, but also uh, didn't the, he sleep with the uh, Agnes? Right. And, and so, or was the, that on her head? Was the, that a the way force it, field projection? Well, it's similar in that it's like, well, the EMH from Voyager had the, the future technology for the mobile emitters. So and maybe he's got something like that, you know, he got it black market or something, you know, people stole it out of the database for, uh, from the archives or something like, all right, maybe I can't disprove what you've said. It's in these moments that I can't decide if I'm spending not enough or too much time on Reddit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It gets nutty for sure. I haven't spent any time on Reddit. Because you you're a better person than I am, Tim. And you don't. I, I, yeah, I that's too much reading. I think too don't much reading. Follow, don't follow my example. No, it's called wisdom because I share it with you. And be like, don't, go, <laughs> don't go in there. <laughs> right. And the uh, one of the fails, I think, uh, isn't um, Daniel Craig supposed to host SNL this week? Because he was going to be promoting the new movie. Oh, was he really? Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, oops. But do they? Isn't that going to happen or no? Well, it's still happening. Yeah, he's he's rehearsing right now. So I guess it's got to come back, I guess. They got to reschedule say, Hey, I got this great movie you guys want to see. It's coming out in like eight months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I imagine he probably showed up on like Colbert and Jimmy Fallon and he's been mm-hmm. probably 
on every show, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing going to do it all over again. Or we're talking in, in generality so they can rerun those episodes without anybody being the wiser. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what they'll do. They'll just re-air that episode of uh, as a rerun next year. Remember that time Daniel Craig was on? Yeah, that one time. This one time. SNL. Yeah. All right, I think it's time for bed. Yeah, me too. Right. Gotta, gotta call it a day or a night or whatever. Hi, May. We look forward to uh, hearing more about your uh, excellent job opportunity. We're hopeful that you will have a great endeavor. <laughs> Was it join the uh, the NHL team in Seattle? With yeah, my, with my witty puns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.